morning. Welcome to Soul City Church. And uh, as you can tell, obviously, from that video, there is a lot of questions, if not confusion, uh, even frustration when it comes to the idea of relationships. And we're not just talking about dating or just talking about marriage or just talking about friends. We're talking about all of those over the course of these next couple of weeks. And how is it that we have healthy and God-honoring relationships? How is it that we walk into some of the confusion and walk into even some of the frustration and even walk into new levels of ownership when it comes to what we bring to the table when it comes to the relationships that we have? My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the pastors here at Soul City Church, and I am so excited for where we're going to go together in God's Word for over the next couple of weeks. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to actually uh, pull out a Bible if you have one. Uh, if you don't, you can grab the blue Bible. If you didn't bring one, you can grab the blue Bible in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, we say this all the time, uh, if you don't own a Bible, we so believe in how uh, powerful and transformative God's Word is. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, you get to take this Bible home with you today. So listen, if it's your first time and you don't own a Bible, you get a free cup of coffee, a free coffee mug, and a free Bible. Take that, Oprah. Where, wherever you are. Uh, so we want you to open up to Psalm 139. It's page 576 in the Blue Bible. I just want you to keep your thumb in there or put a pen in there. We're going to come back to this passage in a second. But everything we're teaching over the next couple of weeks is re- uh, rooted in and grounded in God's Word. And we're going to look at principles and even a prayer today that we can pray that can have a dynamic effect on our relationships, whatever they are, friends, coworkers, family, dating, marriage. Last week I was uh, talking with someone who, uh, you know, as we kind of were just catching up, he began to sort of unpack on me frustration he was having at work. And he began to tell me about, like, oh, it's just, you know, it's so frustrating there. And I, he's kind of complained about work before. And, and so he's just telling me, like, oh, my boss doesn't understand. Like, he just doesn't get me. And he'll set a meeting and then not show up. Or he'll show up, but then have a totally different agenda from what I thought we were going to meet about. Or we'll be in a meeting and He'll take credit for something that I was actually working on, or he'll throw me under the bus in front of everyone, and was just kind of giving me example, example, example. And you know, this is about five or ten minutes. I haven't really said anything much at this point. And I'm just kind of listening and nodding. They're going, it's, you know, I feel like no one on my team really fully appreciates me or understands me, and and just kind of went on and on for a little bit. And I was just kind of trying to listen. I wasn't sure what my role was supposed to be in that conversation, and maybe. You found yourself in one of those conversations before with someone who is just frustrated with the, the people that surround them. Maybe you've actually um, worked in a place like that person was talking about, you know, where you can just feel like, man, if these people would just figure it out, everything would be better here. If these people would just sort of figure out how to do it my way, things would be better around here. And it doesn't have to just be work, it can be friendships, it can be dating. It can be in a marriage. If she would just, if he would just, you ever found yourself around people like that? You don't really know exactly what to say to them. Like, yeah, everyone should be more like you. I mean, you know, like, what, what are you supposed to say to that? I think the reality is, if we were to be really honest, many times we are the ones that find ourselves saying things like that. Whether we say them directly as such or not, we tend to oftentimes, when we hit frustration in a relationship, or when we hit desperation in a relationship, or when we hit a place where things are not as we thought or hoped they would be, our first instinct is to look out there and go, well, if they would just, or if he would just, or if people would just. And so oftentimes, we have a very real desire for good relationships, healthy relationships. We just end up looking in the wrong direction. 
we feel the tension, the desire, the frustration, all of those things around every level of relationship in our world. But what so often we do is we focus our direction to people that we ultimately can't control. It's as though we have sort of relational farsightedness. You know what farsightedness is, right? You can see things like really well at a distance, but it's the things that are right in front of you that are hard to see. I always get it mixed up, nearsighted, farsighted. I looked it up to make sure I got it right this morning because <laughs> we're recording this and it matters. And so that's what's happened to me over the years is my vision uh, has gotten a, a little bit worse and is diminishing. And so I have to wear glasses now to read things. I have to wear glasses to see my notes or to look at my computer screen because I'm farsighted. I can see things really well off in the distance, street signs, all that kind of stuff. But, but it's getting harder and harder for me to read things up close. And people ask me like, are those glasses a fashion statement? I'm like, no, they're glasses because I'm going blind. The headgear is a fashion statement. So, uh, man, I thought that would be so much funnier. All right, so it's all right. Clearly, I'm farsighted in my jokes as well. So what happens is we can see things so clearly in the different distance relationally. It's their fault. If they would just do this, if they would just change, if they could just act this way. And what ends up happening is that things are blurry, if not blind to us, that are the closest to us, which is us. We are really great when our relationships hit a wall or when our desires become so strong at finding fault in everyone and everything else. But we oftentimes fail to see what is closest to us, and that is what we bring to the circle, what we bring to the table. If you think about it, I want you to think about the last, I mean, you can kind of see this principle at work, the last um, disagreement, argument, as we call it in our house, strong conversation, fight that you've had. Here's what I want you to think about, just to see if, it's not, if you don't suffer from a relational farsightedness as well. What did you see first when things started to escalate? Okay, so think about maybe it's a situation at work, it's friends, it's someone you're dating or married to. What did you see first? Their fault or yours? Which was most clear to you? Oh, well, if he, if he was just said this, or if they wouldn't have done this, or if they would have just done this differently. You see, you think about, I mean, I want you to think about a very real argument, disagreement, fight, dispute that you've had recently. And oftentimes the first thing, and in fact the only thing we see, is what they in the distance should do different. And we are blurry, if not blind, to what we bring to the circle, to what we are actually responsible to own. If you were to sort of add up all of the relational tension or frustration or desires and and boil down sort of every breakup and breakdown of every relationship in your life, you will find actually that there is a common denominator to every single one of them. Do you know what it is? You. I mean, do the math. Every single one of these relationships, you're there. It's like the old adage, like, wherever you go, there you are. Whoever you're with, there you are. You think about it. Oftentimes, all we see is them. But what God is inviting us to see is we're going to see from this passage we're going to uh, dive into is that God is inviting us to actually see what is right here and what we bring to every relationship, the good, the bad, the ugly. It doesn't matter how wonderful you think that other friend is or that person you're married to is. It doesn't matter how wonderful you want them to be. The reality is that in any relationship, no, no matter what it is, that a healthy we is always contingent on a healthy me. You can boil it down. 
boil down every breakup, every breakdown of every relationship in your life, the reality is if you're ever going to have a healthy we, it is always contingent on a healthy me. Let me say it differently. If you're ever having a God-honoring we, it's always contingent on a God-honoring who? Me. Because I can become consumed with what I can't control. I want to fix you. I want to help you see how you are wrong and how you should be more like me. And all the while, God's going, no, I want you to see how you can be more like me. You think about it, every relationship, a healthy we is always, always, always contingent on a healthy me. I was sharing my notes, my thoughts for this weekend with Jeannie, and she's like, that is good. She's like, you're right. Every time we hit an unhealthy patch, it's because of your unhealth. I'm like, no, that's, okay, you're right, but that's not the point that I'm trying to make. The point is, I don't want to be relationally farsighted. I want to pay first attention to what I bring to the circle. I want to pay first and most attention to what God is actually inviting me to see and what I can actually do something about. Many of us have exhausted our energy and have even damaged relationships trying to control others, trying to fix others, or hanging out for the hope of a perfect person stumbling into our lives. And God's saying, that, that's fine, good, let me work with them. I'm inviting you to do some work with you. A healthy we is always contingent on a healthy me. A God-honoring, life-giving we is always contingent on a God-honoring, life-giving me. The sum is never greater than the parts. It's never greater than the parts. It's never great. A relationship is never healthier than what you can actually bring to the table and then what that other person brings to the table. I saw this in my own life in very, very, very real and honestly very painful way. I had a friend that I grew up with. This is a best friend. We knew each other since we were six years old. You know, you have one of those friends that you've just been with forever. And we were, like, when we, were in, we went to grade school together, and at one point, like in third grade, uh, we had formed the Three Musketeers. There was four of us, but we called ourselves the Three Musketeers. We clearly, we were good at friendship, but bad at math. And so and we were just tight. You know, we were just so close and went through middle school together. In fact, uh, we dated the same girl, which is never great for a friendship. It's really not good for the girl either. It's a lose-lose situation. And so this is a guy I would just had known. We stood up for each other in our weddings. We'd been roommates together at one point. We'd journeyed with each other all through almost every single season of life. And then something happened. I don't know what happened. Something happened. And we went from talking to each other every other week to every couple weeks to every couple months. To then one day I kind of looked up and realized I haven't seen or talked to this friend that I've spent the majority of my life with for over a year. And so what I began to do was form a script in my mind of, oh, well, he's probably you know, frustrated about this, or he's stuck in his own world doing this, or he isn't thinking about me, so he's not, I mean, he hasn't called me. Phone has not rang. He has not called me. And so we haven't connected for then what became a year and a half, two years. This person had been a fixture in my life. And the majority of the time, what I spent doing is really stuck in a relational farsightedness. Well, until he figures out what he needs to do, I'm not, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to call. And then God in his loving kindness, after a couple of years of this, said, really? Really? You're, you are going to really hang all the weight of a healthy relationship on him who you can't control. And I felt God lovingly speaking, and I had a 
counselor in my life who was just pushing and going, what is your resistance? What is your resistance? Why are you fighting this? And so eventually I just picked up the phone and called and said, I don't know what's happened, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so, and I had to tell very specifically, this is what I've done. I had to take some ownership in our relationship. This is what I've done, and I'm sorry for this. And I spent about five minutes awkwardly going, I'm so sorry, and I'm, man, will you forgive me for this? And he was like, yeah, fine, what's up? And then we just kind of moved into conversation. I was like, wow, I spent two years writing a script for what he needed to do to help fix our relationship. And all I needed to do was take ownership for the relationship and bring a healthy me to the we. This morning, what we're going to look at is how that process actually happens. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture that is an inviting prayer. It invites God into where he is already at and what he already knows. It's inviting you into a deeper level of growth and transformation with God. It's found in Psalm 139. It's a psalm written by King David, a person who was, as the Bible calls him, a person after God's own heart that God had a deep and loving and beautiful relationship with. But David was a broken individual and became, the older he grew, the more he became aware of his own brokenness and what he brought to every relationship. And so this prayer that we're going to look at in Psalm 139 is a beautiful way for us to to go, okay, 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 I don't want to be consumed with what I can't control. I don't want to be relationally farsighted. God, will you reveal to me, me? So we're going to read Psalm 139, 1 through 4. I want to give you a heads up. When I pause, I expect you to speak back to me, okay? This is just this thing we do. So when I pause, you can speak the word back that we pause on. Can we agree to that? It just lets me know that you're awake. Okay, so here's the passage. You have, David's saying these now, you have searched me, Psalm 139, verse 1. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Just that sentence enough. You have searched me. God knows every aspect of who you are, and he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you. David says, you know when I sit and when I rise. Like the mundane details of my life, God is there. He knows. This is where it gets really interesting. You what? Perceive my thoughts from afar. So God, you you have this understanding, even from a distance, what seems like a distance, God, you perceive, you already know, you can see into my thoughts, even what I'm thinking, even what like sitting and rising, anyone can kind of see that and figure that out. But my thoughts, what is going on internally, my motivations, all that's happening inside this space, God, you already perceive that even from a distance. Next verse, you what? Discern. Now this is very interesting. You discern my going out. My lying down, discern. Why not just you see, you notice, you take note of? No, you discern. You understand the motive behind. You see into and even behind what I cannot even see about myself. God, who knows me better than you? Who understands my motives, my desires better than you? You even discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. You're familiar with all my ways. Before words on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. Before I even say it, you already know what I'm going to say. And that's not just because God can see all things throughout all time. It's because he knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. 
So David is just struck with this reality. And he goes on throughout the rest of Psalm 139 to talk about how God has always known, how God knit him together in his mother's womb, how God intimately and intricately created every aspect of who David is, not only physically, but understands all of the internal motivations and desires that are in his heart. And then we're going to jump to the end of this psalm and look at what we're going to actually apply to our lives and our relationships here today. David says these very dangerous words. Search me, God, and know my what? Heart. Search me, God. And what's beautiful is David already said, you have searched me. Where does verse 1 start? You searched me. David is saying, God, I invite you to search me, to know my heart, all that goes on within me, all of my fears, desires, motivations. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. See if there's any pattern, any habit, any sort of way that I'm sort of wired to react. God, see that and then show it to me so that I can actually walk in a different way, which is the way everlasting, the way of life, the way of fullness, the way that comes from a relationship with God, the way that comes from when we pray prayers like, search me, see me, know me, and show me who I am. That's a very, 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 very powerful prayer. God, I know that you already know me. Help me know me. God, you know every aspect of who I am. You discern every motive behind me. God, will you help me know me? Will you show me who I actually am in a way that only you can, in a way that no other relationship on earth can actually speak into? God, will you show me me? And so in the spirit of Psalm 139, we want to actually take a moment to invite God to do that. Now, here's what's so great. You don't even have to call yourself a Christian or a churchgoer or active Bible reader to be able to apply what we're about to do together. That's how generous God's wisdom is, is that it applies to every aspect of our life, whether we're in relationship with him or not. Now, if you are in a relationship with God, like this is the way that we do relationship with God, okay? So the stakes are a little bit higher. But even if you're not, this is a great and powerful tool that we're about to walk through together right now. We talk a lot about homework at this church, how we want to have the moments that we experience here lead to movement in our life, right? Maybe you've done that or partaken in that at Soul City. What we're about to do right now is not homework, it's a pop quiz. And so in your seat back, there's a little sheet that I want you to pull out with a pen. And we're going to take two minutes to do a little assessment. We are going to, in the spirit of King David, say, God, you know me. Will you show me, me? Will you help me see what you see about me? You should have one of these in your seat back. If you don't, you can kind of raise your hand and one of our teams will get that to you. But I want you to pull this out and we're just going to take two minutes. Now, here's the deal. This is what I love. You've already started. Okay, just hold up. You guys are such overachievers. All right, hold on. Let me just sort of explain it and then, and then we can get into it. This is a very, very brief, like this is the snowflake on top of the iceberg of, of understanding of who we are. But it's a great first step. And for some of us, this may be the furthest we've ever gone into saying, God, are there parts of me that I don't know about me that are affecting everyone around me? We can kind of breeze through life and get, you know, work assessments and have our work and our schoolwork assessed. But when was the last time you said, no, God, actually, I want you to speak into me 
and show me me. So what you're going to do is you're going to circle three strengths that you bring to every relationship. Don't think about the dream you. Think about the real you. Three strengths that you bring to every relationship that are true of you. And then three struggles as well. And we're going to talk about how we bring both of those to every relationship. Three strengths and three struggles. We're going to give you two minutes and theme music. On your mark, get set, go. Please don't be distracted by this awful music. about a minute left. seconds to enjoy this music. Alright. Start wrapping it up as best you can. Pencils down, pencils down, heads up. Good. All right. Uh, hopefully that wasn't too stressful for you. We're not grading these. We're not going to pass them to your neighbor to have them grade them. This is a tool for you to actually invite God into who you are right now today. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to look back down at the sheet. Hopefully you were able to circle three. If you circled more than three strengths, my hunch is you didn't circle humility. Um, so I want you to just... Focus on three strengths and three struggles. And if you had to pick one to say, you know what? This is true across the board for most every one of my relationships. If God really knows me and is is even speaking to me right now, this is the one. I want you to put a star next to the one that you go, yeah, this is a really, I think this is a great strength that I bring to every relationship. And then put a star next to the struggle. You go, man, there have been more fights. There have been more broken expectations more disappointment around this struggle in my life that you've consistently seen across the board. Now, if you're married, I'm sure your spouse is volunteering to help you with that right now, but I would ask you to do it just yourself. Just star one of those, and I want you to look down at those, and I want you to think, look at that one strength that you just starred and that one struggle, and I want you to think, how have these affected every relationship? I want you to think about work. I want you to think about your friends people you love or in a relationship, dating or married, if you have kids, 
How has this played out in the way that you parent? See, wherever you go and whoever you're with, there you are. And if you're ever going to have a healthy we, it starts with you having a healthy, God-honoring me. And you cannot do that without knowing the strengths and struggles, the beauty and the brokenness that you bring to every relationship. You should not be naive about this. You should be an expert. You can be an expert. God longs for you to be an expert in understanding who you are and who he's created you to be. The wonderful thing is that every one of us has things in each category. Because of God's imprint on you, you bring a gift to every relationship. And I just need you to look at me and I need you to hear that. Because sometimes we can beat ourselves up or we can think that it's all our fault. I want you to hear something. Because of God's imprint on your life, because you are created in the image of our wonderful God, do you know that you have a gift that you bring to every relationship? That there are circles in your life that are actually better because you're part of it. You bring a gift. You may not know that, or you may forget that, or your friends may not tell you that enough. Because of the imprint of God in your life, you bring a gift to every circle you sit in. You need to hear that from the heart of God. It's a beautiful and powerful thing. Now, because of sin's effect on your life, you bring brokenness to every relationship. You need to know that. You bring pain to every relationship. You hurt others. You need to know that, that we sit with both. Every one of us in every circle of our life brings strength and struggle, beauty and brokenness. And and your job is not to just try to fix those things or it's to understand those things. To understand the gift that you bring to your friends and to live out of that, to be that for them, to not be selfish or stingy with the gift that you bring to your circle. To understand your signature sins, as John Orberg calls it. Your tendencies that you are prone to. The dark sides of your strength that you bring to work. That you bring home. That you bring to your friends. And to be very aware of what those things are. And to be asking God and inviting God, as David did, into those areas. I want you to think about how a second ago I asked you to think about the most recent argument or fight that you had dispute or disagreement, whatever it is. I want you just to think for a second. How might it have gone differently if when things started to escalate and things started to fall apart, you went, you know what, you know what? Hold up, I'm sorry. Here I go again. I am stubborn, and I've been stubborn since I was five years old. And I'm doing it again, and I'm sorry. I'm gonna take us down a path, and I'm gonna beat you at this argument, and I'm probably gonna damage our relationship because of it. So I just wanna stop right now and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Can you imagine? They wouldn't know what to do. Can you, if you did that at work, they'd have to like call an emergency 15-minute break. Like no one would know what to do with that kind of honesty and ownership over our life. Can you imagine for those of you who are dating or who are married, I mean, when you feel it start to escalate, if you're saying, you know what, I'm sorry, honey, I'm sorry, sweet, I just need to stop. I know that I am an incredibly selfish person. I know this. I see this all throughout my life. And I know that what's at the root of what we're talking about here is my selfishness, and I just need... Do you know how that would change the strong conversations that Jeannie and I have? I mean, this last week, this last week we were starting to have a strong conversation in front of the kids, and thankfully Elijah threw up the flare for us, our six-year-old. And as things are starting to get a little more intense, he goes, guys, 
are you sure you really want to do this in front of the kids? <laughs> it was kind of one of those. Thanks, buddy. I, uh, I wish I would have caught that one before you did. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how it would change your relationships? If you brought that gift and you brought those areas of growth to every relationship, how that might change your relationships, how that might change the type of friends and people that you're attracted and drawn to, how that might change the dynamic of the people around you to say, I I can't control you. I I gave up on that years ago. But I am committed to doing whatever God reveals to me, shows me about me so that he can actually grow that in me. In fact, there's a prayer that I'd love for you to write down on the back of your sheet here. I think it's a prayer that can bring some real freedom and liberty and awareness, and it's going to bring some really tough next steps for you. It's basically a prayer that takes the heart of Psalm 139 and boils it down into three lines, and thankfully they rhyme, so it'll help. I want to write this down. God, what do you want to show me that I need to know about me so that you can grow in me? God, what do you want to show me? That's everything David says. Search me, search me, know my heart. That I need to know about me, the parts, God, that I cannot see in myself, the parts that I am farsighted to, so that you can grow in me, so that I can be more like you, so that more of you can be in me and therefore in every circle I sit in. God, what do you want to show me that I need to know about me so that you can actually grow in me? What if we committed to pray in that prayer every day this week? That simple little prayer. God, search me, know my heart. God, reveal to me, show me what I need to know about me so that you can ultimately grow in me because that's my only hope of having healthy God-honoring we is a healthy God-honoring me. God, I can only get there because of you. My hunch is you pray that prayer, God is going to bring you opportunities to grow this week. I'm serious. You pray that prayer and you're going to find places where maybe the intensity starts to rise in the conversation or maybe there's a place where you face for the first time a real deep desire that hasn't been met yet and you've been blaming everyone else for that and you've been holding out for an imaginary perfect person and God is actually going to speak and say, no, 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 let me show you something about you that I know about you and that I love and I want to grow or that's broken and I want to heal. God may bring it to you actually through another person. I thank God for a couple friends in my life that do this for me. That literally God uses to show me things about me that I need to know so that ultimately I can grow. I have a friend like this at this church who over time we built the kind of relationship where you can say, you know what? And if I can be honest with you, it seems like you're doing this. In fact, his name's Mark. We lead a small group together. What I'm so thankful about is that Mark and I have the kind of relationship where we can speak that into each other. God uses us to help shine a light, if not hold a mirror up to each other and go, hey, just so you know, I'm not leaving you as a friend. I'm not like turning my back, but you need to know this about you. I don't think you see this. And so I want you to know this, that actually 
there's room for you to grow. When Mark and I set out to start a small group, we were just one week into leading a small group. In fact, the first small group had just ended. It's our first time ever leading a group together. And after the group, he goes, can I talk to you for a second? I go, yeah. So he pulls me aside. He goes, dude, I can't do this with you if you're going to, and then he kind of listed some things off about how I lead and how I was behind on a few things and didn't communicate a few things. He's like, I really want to lead this group with you. It's not going to happen if you keep doing this. You need to know that if we're going to have a relationship, it really needs to be the kind of relationship where it's mutual. And he kind of laid it out, and I was like, it was really hard at first. I'm like, well, guess what? I don't want to lead a group with you. And I was like, and I all sort of, I'm going to lead a group against you. And so I was very hurt and frustrated. But then I was like, oh, God, what a gift. What a gift that actually, God, you're allowing me to see through a trusted friend in this moment something that you want me to know about me so that you could actually grow me more. You know what's great? Our small group just a week ago, uh, when we ended up this round of small groups, took time to sit in the circle and look across from each other and say, hey, I want to tell you something I'm really grateful for in you. And then I, I want to maybe just say something that you don't see that I've noticed that could be an area of growth. How many relationships do you have in your life that are doing that on a regular basis? What a gift. That's why I love small groups. You're going to hear more about small groups over the next couple weeks. I love it. Jeannie's small group that she leads did the same thing. Just sat around and said, I want to to tell you some truth about the the beauty, the strength of what I see here. And then I want to let you know about something that you may not see. I'm telling you, when you open your heart and say, you know what? I can't be consumed with what I can't control. I admit that I'm relationally farsighted, but I want to take this in as a gift right now that God is actually showing me a part of me that I need to know about me because I want to grow. What a gift. It begins to actually, literally change your life. And as that happens, it begins to change your relationships. You can keep pointing a finger at everyone else. You can keep waiting for the perfect person to stumble into your life. Or you can say, God, let's get to work with me. Because that's the only constant I have in every one of my relationships. You at work in me. We commit ourselves to that. I'm telling you, it changes the temperature of relationships around here. It changes the intentionality of relationships around here. It changes what we have to offer to this city around here. So I don't know what it is with these people. They actually really like each other. They're actually growing. They actually are kind of building relationships on something different than what I see. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And so to help jumpstart that process... At the bottom of the sheet, you'll see that we have a little line underneath strengths and struggles. It says, I will share this with, and then there's a blank this week. I want you to think about someone right now whose name you can put in that blank. Who's a friend that knows you well enough and will speak the truth to you in love well enough that you can put their name and what you're going to do over the course of this week, and let me make it even more practical applicable today, because you're going to forget and you're going to lose this piece of paper. So like over lunch today, you put your sheet of paper on the table and go, I don't know, what? I don't know, what? <laughs> is, this, what is this accurate? Am I seeing things? Is there more? And your friend may grab a pen and start circling a lot more struggles. So okay, hold up. That's not the point of this. Can you help me see what I don't see about me so ultimately I can grow? We're really serious. I want you to write a name in there right now. Maybe your spouse maybe a good friend, maybe someone you have to actually call on the phone and say, look, I'm going to tell you a couple things that I learned in church today about God and about me, and I want you to speak into them. We open ourselves up to that kind of truth, that kind of gift. We open ourselves up to a whole other level of relationship around here. 
those of you who are married, this kind of dialogue and conversation is game-changing. This kind of honesty and openness. It's greater than stubbornness and selfishness. Those of you who are about to get married, you're engaged. What a gift to be able to say, I, I know that I bring these strengths. I also know that I bring these struggles. And I'm committed to you to grow in these areas to invite God in. Those of you who are in friendships, maybe you're surrounded by a circle of friends. They're not pointing you towards any of this stuff. In fact, they're taking you further and further away. Maybe it's time to say, you know what? I need to get myself around a better circle where I can bring my strengths and struggles and actually find people who bring me back to God. I'm telling you this is possible. We should not be naive. You should be an expert. And God has given you a way. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Reveal me to me. I'm going to invite the band to come up right now. We're going to spend a few minutes being with this God who loves us so well, who knows all of our strengths because he gave them to us, knows all of our struggles because of sin, and still loves us, still chooses to be in relationship with us. We've got some homework to do over the course of today and over this next week, but we just need to spend a moment and go, God, thank you that given all of the complexity and the beauty and brokenness of who I am, you choose to love me, all of me, and you know me better than I know myself. And so what we're going to do for the next few moments is something we do regularly here at Soul City. We're going to spend a few moments just reflecting on the relationship that's not only possible, but that's available to every single one of us because of Jesus Christ. Above every other relationship in your life right now, work and friends and dating and married, there is one relationship that far surpasses the rest. And that is your relationship with God. And what we're going to do for the next few moments is just center our hearts on the reality of the way that was made for us through Jesus the availability of God to our lives, the access that we have to the Heavenly Father, which would not exist were it not for Jesus. We're going to celebrate something that Jesus celebrated and honored and remembered with his friends. Jesus gathered his relational circle, his circle, and he gathered them together on the night that he would be betrayed and arrested, ultimately led to a cross. And he said, I I don't want you to miss this. I want you to see me for who I am as the Son of God, sinless, sent into the world to save it. And Jesus took elements that were common. They were on the table. He said, this is bread, and I want you to take bread. I want you to look at bread differently. When you look at bread, I want you to see me. Let this be a reminder of my body, which was broken for you, which would be broken, literally broken for us, that I came, I'm here, I'm real, and my body was offered to you. And he took wine. He said, let this, never look at this the same again. When you look at this, you think of my blood, the only perfect and pure, sinless blood to ever flow through human veins. You remember that this blood was literally poured out for the covering of your sins, the forgiveness of your sins. I want you to remember who I am because nothing, nothing, nothing will inform and define more of who you are than who I am who you can be in me. And so he broke bread and he poured wine. He said, this is how you remember my body and my blood. And so we're going to do that together as a church this morning. We're going to have spaces up here in the front where you can come forward as soon as I say amen. 
break a piece of bread, be reminded of the body of Christ, which is real, which came and offered his life for us. Dip it in the cup, which is a symbol of the blood of Christ, which covers every, every one of our struggles, every one of our sins, every ounce of our brokenness, and makes us right and whole and new with God. So I want to pray for us, and then I'm going to encourage you to sing out to God in wonder and amazement of his great love for you, for all of who you are. So let me pray for us right now. God, I thank, I, I thank you that you, first of all, know me better than I know myself, better than my wife knows me, better than my friends know me. You know every aspect of me. You know me better than I know me. And you still choose to love me. You still choose to love me. And so, God, I thank you for that love that doesn't ever give up on me, that has poured itself out for me, that made itself known to me through your son, Jesus. Thank you for his body, his blood, the price that was paid so that I could have a relationship with you, so that I could know you, and so that you could help me know me even more. God, we thank you that every one of our relationships, every one of our relationships points back to and comes back to this singular relationship that we have with you. And God, we pray as we grow in our love and knowledge and experience with you that you would grow us and grow our relationships in very real and powerful ways. Jesus, we choose to remember you now. We thank you. We bring and confess our sin to you. We don't hold anything back from you. We choose you today. In your name, by your body and your blood, amen.